amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. How's it going everybody and welcome to episode number 23 of the Casual Gamecast, a weekly video game podcast for the everyday gamer brought to you by the team at Casual Game Critic. I am your host Phil Kyo, and guess what, we have a full house with us here today folks. We have of course my lovely co-host Shane Bo. Shane, how are you? Are you well now? Are you well? We have the return of the Mac himself, James Desmond. How are my boys? We're not bad boy, better for seeing you of course. But we have brought somebody out from the back. We've, we've grabbed them by the scruff and said, get in front of that mic. It's the one, the only, Aaron. Aaron, how the devil are you, man? You're the, the silent partner in this podcast. You are the editor-in-chief almost of this podcast. <laughs> and I wear that title proudly. Um, no, but thanks for dragging me out of the closet and letting me see the sunlight again, I suppose. <laughs> it's good, it's good. We've got you on both sides of the mic now, so if there's any issues in this week's recording, it's not our fault, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if you have been here before, welcome back. We're delighted to have you. And if you've never been here before, welcome. You have stumbled across what is by far the most of podcasts on the gaming infrastructure on the interwebs a casual gamecast if you will we have got a great show for you this week guys we're going to actually change things up a little bit you you thought this show was getting stale well guess what it's not because we are doing it all different as of today baby we took a look at last week's podcast our tight five and we said to each other do you know what? That was actually cool. We, we really liked that. We liked the opportunity to take a step back and really just dive into, you know, five topics and really give it its time, really marinate on some things and then get straight into more pointless conversation because that's what I enjoy doing. And we're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep that tight five format from this point forward. We're going to take whatever we can see on the news docket across all of the gaming infrastructure to see what's going on this week, pick what we think is the top five news stories of the week. We're kind of rating the news, but we're not really rating the news because you can't rate the news. But this is what we think is most important this week. So what's going to be five to one? Stick around and find out. After we do our countdown, we're of course going to take a step back and talk about whatever we've been playing or watching or doing this week. And then we're going to wrap it all up with, of course, our question of the week, which comes in from Connor Long over at the Facebook community, the casual game community, who asks, what is a game or a game series that changed features or mechanics drastically for better or worse? What do we think? Stick around and we'll find out. But before we do that, I'm running out of breath. Boys, how are we? First of all, Shane, how's the crack? Same as it always is when you're laid off work from COVID. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
the same four walls every day. Ah, no, it's grand. It's grand. I I like, you know, I'm keeping busy. We're doing plenty with CGC, writing articles, playing games. At least I have time to do stuff. Like, I have time to engage my hobbies now and not be tired from work and go, oh, I'll get to that tomorrow or the weekend. My, you mean my life? Isn't <laughs> 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 Where I'm perpetually going to be doing something. <laughs> But um, but no, I get you. I get you. That uh, that bathrobe and uh, slipper combo. Are you living that life, or are you still getting dressed in the mornings? Oh no, no, hell yeah, living that bathrobe and slipper combo life, like for sure. I only get dressed properly if I have to leave the house for any reason. Well, I suppose I have to walk the dog every day, so I get dressed to do that, <laughs> and maybe go buy some groceries or something. But other than that, it's it's the slipper robe combo. I laughed because I see people on the regular where I live walking to and from the shop with their dog in a pair of like slip on Adidas flip flops and like a bathrobe or whatever. Like people have just stopped giving a damn at this point. <laughs> second lockdown third lockdown who cares anymore <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i've given up too i don't care if if i didn't live so far out of town i'd probably do the same thing if i was just nipping to the shop and speaking of living far out of town our very own Kerry boy james desmond james how have you been in the what week are we in now the 28th of january it's been about a month since we've had you on the show been flat out flat out you would like you wouldn't be, oh, no, not really well i have been working but um yeah i you know it's 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 lonely out here in the mountains. Ding 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 ding. The the only good thing is that when I go out in my uh, slip-ons and my Adidas and stuff, no one sees me. Bar the no sheep. Yeah. Oh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you got to wear wellies for the sheep, though. That that's what they say. But um, but yeah, how are you keeping, man? You are you keeping? I guess sane. I know much like myself. You're you're doing the work of man's thing from the same four walls every day. How are you finding the sanity of it? Because I've had like a good seven months to deal with it now at this point or however long this nightmare has been going on. But this but, is kind of uh, like this is really the first full month for yourself. I've had a few gut check moments. All right. It's it's fine. It's quite doable. But uh, actually, my partner, um, she pointed out something to me to not today, yesterday, where she was like, you know, you're just kind of breathing in the same air for like eight hours a day. And, you know, mm-hmm. my room is it's big enough but like it it was like a light bulb moment going oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah man big time like i've had to figure out weird things to do with myself like okay i have to go to the shop every like about twice a day just to make sure i'm leaving the house uh, if i don't go for a walk and then i have to do like exercises on my oculus quest with the window open so that i know i'm inhaling a lot whilst fresh air is coming in and you know Mm. you find little weird ways of still being a human was not leaving your house. You know, it's a funny time to be alive. The weirdest. It was fine for a while, but then now it's kind of like, okay, I'm kind of done now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it has been a great time to be a nerd. That's, that is the only thing. And it has been a great time to start a podcast. And who better to edit these podcasts than our very own Aaron Thompson. Aaron, how the hell are you, man? Yeah, I'm just kind of living through that lockdown life like everyone else. Feeling feeling a bit like a mole man these days. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, gonna, I'm waking up and I'm starting work, staring at my work laptop screen, turning that off when, when work's over and looking at my PC screen. And then it's time for bed. So I'll stare at my phone screen because the other two big screens in my life are giving me headaches. But uh, <laughs> sort of a 20, 20, four seven cycle of 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 screens now at this stage so i'm very much looking forward to being able to get back outside again and hearing the birds chirp and smelling the roses and whatever else you do outside <laughs> you're gonna live in a musical when you're done is that what you're saying 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. You got to be sound of music now whenever I get out of here and yeah. be up in the in the Swiss Alps. The hills are alive. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so I'm kind of I've spent so many days in the dark at this stage that I'm I'm kind of one step short of living in the sewers. So. <laughs> Yeah, man, I I get you, I get you, and like you, you you do turn on your lizard brain after a while, you know. You just kind of you're just going through the motions, and it is funny, especially doing CGC. The one thing I noticed was, okay, I wake up in the morning and I do my computer centric job, and then it's like six p.m. or I'm even spending my work lunch breaks looking at CGC stuff or looking at a screen to do with that, and then I'm going straight back into my work, and then I'm finishing my work and doing more CGC stuff, and it's all screen related. And then what do I do when I say, right, enough screens, let's watch some Netflix or play some video games? It's like you know, you you suddenly realize you're like I'm awake for like sixteen hours a day, and it's all screens. It's all screens. Yeah, pretty much like I th- it was like last week that I think Shane texted me and was like, oh, hey man, yeah, the podcast files are up in the Google Drive. I was like, all right, fair enough. That must mean it's Friday. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, Periscope. Okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> well, let's just hope that uh, we get them up for you a little bit earlier this week. But, <laughs> but anyway, guys, Great to have you all on board. Great to see that we're all still alive. We're all still chipper. We're all still getting through this damn pandemic life. But with all of that said, will we kick off our very first top five news roundup? Yeah, go for it. Let's do it. All right, man. Play the thing. News. And for our first news, our number five, let's say, of news, we have... Number five. Microsoft is cancelling Xbox Live price hike and they're adding even more value to it. In fact, this is an important one for us to report on because, Shane, you'll remember, only this time last week, we reported on this. We reported on the fact that Microsoft came out and said they're going to spend or charge us more money to have Microsoft Games of Gold. And we said how dumb of a decision that was. We weren't alone, Shane. We weren't alone. <laughs> they actually came out and made a statement about how much of a dumb decision it was. The whole internet told them how much of a dumb decision it was, and they flip-flopped in a spectacular fashion. Not only did they come out and correct themselves, they had the audacity to correct themselves the day after we reported it. Like, why can't the big evil corporation be nice to the little guy for once and just think of our needs and our wants and what we do and just could have held off till this week and then we would have had like another perfect news story. But no, now they're making us having to retract a statement. To be a fly on that wall on the day before <laughs> the announcement and the day of the announcement. To say like, you know, all of the suits around the table going, yeah, yeah, double it. No, double it. No, seriously, double it. Yeah, that. no, no, double it. And then that'll get them onto Game Pass. Yeah, yeah, no, double it. And then the second they do it, everybody goes, what the hell? And they went, we listened to your feedback and we <laughs> know now not to double it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like it, it really came across as like a just let them eat cake moment where they were like, "Oh, we'll double the price of Xbox Live." And like people can't afford that. I'm like, what do you mean? Just sell one of your yachts. Like we we all have yachts. We have multiple mansions. Just sell one of them. It's fine. Get another job, you unwashed popinjay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you've all lost your jobs this year, but like you know, you've all had Xbox Live savings yeah. surely. So like, that's true. Actually, of all times in history. To say we're going to double a service that allows you to spend time on something else at home. 
Yeah, yeah, like, like, yeah, let's just ignore that uh, unemployment's at an all-time high and we're in a once-in-a-lifetime recession Exactly. Again. But they, that's, that's what happened. That's what happened. The, the internet went on fire and they went, what the hell, Microsoft? This is unacceptable. This is, you know, we, we can't, I'm not going to go into the specifics, but you can pretty much pick up from my tone what reaction the internet had to this. And rightfully so. And rightfully so. Immediately. In probably the quickest turnaround in video game history from a corporation such as Microsoft, they immediately backpedaled on this guy in such a fashion that I'd say whoever makes that Excel spreadsheet where they came to that decision to double it, mo- their head must have been spinning from all of the like Skype and Slack messages they must have been getting to say, we need to ch- crunch the numbers, you know, <laughs> because not only did they keep the same price as what they're going to be keeping, but... They're also adding value to it in the sense of up until now, free to play games, you required a Microsoft um, games with gold subscription in order to access those. Your Fortnites, your Warframes, what um, have you. Now, no, no. Not only are they not doubling it, but they're actually adding value to it as a kind of a, yeah, we messed up. I don't know what to take from Microsoft with this bartering of my affections. Like, did they genuinely make a genuine mistake here? Or do they just have enough money to just say, okay, our bad, here's a free thing. Let's just get out of the news. They knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, absolutely. They wanted to test the waters and it completely backfired. Like, they probably expected them at, right, let's give them something back and we're going to revisit this later. Oh, completely. Is my take on it. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Like, it struck me, this whole giving them something back as well of the whole, like, remember that the whole South Park BP all the spillers, like, we're sorry. We're sorry. <laughs> so here, now, now you can have some free-to-play games because we're sorry. <laughs> like, it, it's funny, Aaron, you made the uh, let them eat cake analogy. It kind of seems more like the Emperor's new clothes <laughs> where like, they just thought that like, oh, nothing can go wrong. And then the second that the you know, townsfolk see Microsoft's nudie bits for all the world to see, oh, no, we must go back on our word. Like, you know, it's like... <laughs> but... I think it's hilarious. I, I genuinely think it's absolutely hilarious that they thought that they could come out and make such a statement and not have the internet go on of fire about it. Of course, like they, we all know what we said it last week. We all know what they were hoping would happen. They would come out. They've doubled the price of Xbox Live and everyone would go, ah, that's OK. We'll just get we'll just get Game Pass. It's fine. We don't care that it's been doubled. We'll all just switch to Game Pass and everyone will be great. And then the internet was like, no, 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 we don't want your Game Pass rammed down our throat. Thank you very much. I will buy Game Pass if I want to and only if I want to. You've got to admire the chutzpah of it all, though, don't you? Oh, really? Honestly, honestly. Like, come on, like, you got to, like, it's just like, just throw it out there. Just see what they say. Just see what they say. We're ready to roll back at a moment's notice, but just see what they say. (laughs) And now Johnny FIFA, as you said last week, Shane, gets to continue on. His business. Yes, thank God for Johnny FIFA. Thank God for Johnny FIFA. I, I say it regularly. But with that, I think it's time for us to move on to the next one. What do you say? Yes. Okay. Number four. Vicarious Visions merges into the mega corporation Blizzard. Hooray. We're all so happy. Yeah. Hooray. Yeah. Like, Hooray. what are you meant to say here? Apart from. Ah, no. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> Blizzard's just kind of on a bit of a rampage of like, yeah, yeah what, what, what little gaming companies do you like? Because we're going to take them and we're going to do what we want with them. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so this, the first thing I thought about when I heard this was, ah, no, that means that Tony Hawk's remastered three and four probably isn't going to come anytime soon. Um, But 
what is really interesting is Activision Blizzard, right? Don't they hold the license for the new, not the remasters, like Crash Bandicoot 4, the new Crash Bandicoot? Don't they hold the license for that? They, like, it's not, it's not Naughty Dog yeah. anymore. It's Activision Blizzard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Activision was always the publisher and Naughty Dog was the developer. Yeah, well, either way. Uh, no, 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 it was Universal Studios and um, Naughty Dog back in the day. Universal Studios? Yeah, they bought Activision bought it back in the PS2 days, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, um, community, but I believe. Yeah, yeah, no, I do. I remember seeing the Universal logo at the start of some of the Crash games before years ago. They they produced them the, the first two or three, yeah. Huh. But... The new remasters were all Vicarious Visions, weren't they? Um, yeah, I think so. The remaster is not um, yeah, the new one. Think new. So. Yeah, exactly. So now, essentially, um, Blizzard has controlling stake over all things Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> new and old, it seems. Yeah, actually, yeah, it now owns it. Now owns every- but did, did Activision publish the newer Crash Bandicoot anyway, so they probably footed the bill for Vicarious Visions developing that they were probably the money men. And in most cases, we know in gaming that usually the money men are the one that retain the rights anyway. Most likely. Most likely, yeah. It's just, I guess I don't know what it means in terms of rights. It's just funny to think that, like, you know, Activision is once again the home of Crash, indefinitely, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But, But anyway. Look, this story is another one of those, like... Activision has taken a great studio and just folded it into making either a Call of Duty crap or whatever other crap they make. What, a, what do Blizzard even make? Any, a legal, is they, no, League of Legends isn't Blizzard. I'm the rumour is interesting show. around it. Oh, there's a rumour, is there? Oh, do tell, James. Yeah, do tell. I, I, I might. Um, no, so uh, the rumour that, that I've been reading about is that the reason that they were folded into Blizzard was because Blizzard had been working on a Diablo 2 remake of some sort. It was like Blizzard Team 1 were doing it, and I think because, well, this is all speculation, but I think because of what happened with the Warcraft 3 reforged Mm -hmm. debacle, is probably the only way you could describe it, well, for the community, um, they were like, no. And they saw what Vicarious Visions have been doing, and went, we'll get these guys to go in and just take it over instead. So the rumor is that they've taken over as lead development on That'd be cool, because like, which is not a bad thing yeah. necessarily, but you know, it's like still a Vicarious shame. Visions are up there in terms of the remaster powerhouses. You know, like you've got you've got mm. the guys uh, Blue Point. You know, the guys behind mm. the um, Shadow of the Colossus remake. You know, and any of the big, massive, jaw dropping remakes. You know, it's always Blue Point. Um, but then Vicarious Visions do that other thing where they make the one that actually is like a nostalgic remake and they're super good at doing that like the old crash remakes mm-hmm. the old spiral remakes i think was them as well was it maybe it wasn't um but definitely the latest tony hawks ones like they're all games that look and feel exactly like your head remembers those ps1 games looking so like that's a, that's a skill in itself so to put them on a diablo remake Diablo 2 specifically, one that everybody hearkens onto. I'm not a Diablo guy, but I know the passions there makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah. It really does. It really does. If you're gonna if you're gonna get someone to remake your game, you wanna get the, the, the top tier, the top echelon. Like and the only ones better are, like you said already, Blue Point, because they are just masters in my eyes of remaking. But they're games. two different things. Like in my mind, a blue point would be a bad fit for that. Because that's almost like, you know, if you want like Diablo 2 with God rays and 
oh, that's like all epic and stuff. It's like, yeah, okay. But like, you probably want yeah. your 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 dad's Diablo 2. That's probably what you're looking for. You want it to be like exactly what you remember in your mind's eye uh, and nothing more and nothing less. But then what you remember in your mind's eye is always a lot rosier than what it actually was, you know? And those guys find that middle ground so well. Yeah, I I, I always kind of found that um, Blue Pointer were really good at, like, remaking experiences, you know, like Shadow of the Colossus or Demon's Souls or something yeah, like that, whereas, yeah. yeah, Vicarious Visions were, were way better at just kind of remaking fun games, you know? That was kind of their market, their your crash something you kind of just sit down and have fun with as opposed to something you're meant to sort of take in yes uh, as on as an overall experience yes yeah. definitely yeah very very true it's funny that you should mention the demon souls remake there because uh i may have slightly written a review on the demon souls remake Ooh, which you, you can find at casual very interesting <laughs> very interesting and to give people a teaser uh positive or negative oh very positive very positive for me um <laughs> <laughs> I do. I look. Don't don't get me wrong. I I didn't have my like souls fandom blinders on. There is like I do talk about the negative things in there as well that I think are indicative of the souls franchise in general. You know stuff that like mm-hmm, probably mm-hmm. needs to be changed. It's a bit kind of outdated now. Mm-hmm. But for better or worse, it's all in there because they wanted to do a faithful remake. So. But look, go read my review. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give it to you all here. You're not gonna get. Why have the? Why uh? What's it? What's the? What's the expression? Why have the cow when you can get the milk for free or whatever? I I was just <laughs> gonna compare you to being the heroin dealers of articles. You know, you can get a taste for free, but you gotta you gotta make your way over to casualgamecritic.com to get the full bag, baby. Um, but just as a quick addendum, as a kind of a four point five. It does seem like we have some other skateboard tangential uh, news in there also. It seems as if the news that people have been longing for for years now, and I can't believe that it wasn't done up until this point, a skate sequel seems to be in development. Um, Whilst I am a little bit sad that I know Blizzard is not going to give me the Tony Hawk's game I want in any near you know time, I'm assuming they have other projects for Vicarious Visions. It at the very least seems that a new EA studio, full circle, is apparently working on a skate sequel, and I'm quite happy. Yeah, about this. no, I, I'm very happy as well. I mean, the the skate games have a very near and dear place to my heart. They got me into skateboarding in real life, so it's kind of something I took from video games and branched out into a real world hobby. But um, for as much as I loved Skate Three, and I uh, thought it was very ex- expansive, and it was fun to play around in that game's old enough to kind of go to secondary school now so it uh, <laughs> yeah it does it, it needs a sequel now at this stage i suppose and I'm, I'm not too full up on full circles track record but um i mean i'm i'm hoping for the best the more skate i get the happier i'll be so um yeah i mean i, I hope they do it well i'm very much looking forward to it i second second that. it's like the way that i you know primarily eat wumpa fruits and spin into boxes and the day that they remaster Crash Bandicoot it just lit my world apart so I, I, I hope you get the same experience <laughs> well, well thank you thank you for caring for my better interests <laughs> sorry Shane no I was just seconding Aaron's motion like it didn't get me into skateboarding in real life but man I love skate games so much and I like like you said there's there is no kind of track record for full circle Aaron because they're like a whole new studio by the look of things they have been set yeah, up just yeah. to make this new game. Oh, right, right. That makes sense then, yeah, I suppose. Hopefully it goes very well. I don't know. They announced it at EA Play, like, last year, this last year, the year before. There was, like, some kind of teaser, like, 
skate wasn't over there, one under like oh it's coming back We're wasn't there some news like for, a like, month or two or three ago that some professional skateboarder was approached for a skate game and when they asked about it they were told it was a mobile game so they told them to go shove it or something <laughs> to Probably, go pop yeah. shove it <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I'd, I'd heard that before actually um i had heard that apparently they were um looking at doing a, a mobile game because there was obviously such big fan demand for the skate games and they were seemed to do about a mobile game to sort of test the waters for a possible Skate 4 and a console release. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to claim that to be 100% true because, I mean, I, I don't sit on the board of EA, believe it or not. You don't? No, no I, I just sit in my bedroom 24-7. You, um, you clearly blew up your CV when you applied for CGC. I can... Uh... <laughs> 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 but look, guys, we digress, we digress. Will we move on? I think that our very own James Desmond has a number three for us. Number three. I do indeed. I do indeed, Phil. It turns out that a new Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is likely in development. And it's not with Bioware. Thank you. That was the intake of breath I was looking for. Thank you very much. Yeah, so I don't know how you guys feel about it, but Knights of the Old Republic is one of those like seminal games of like my childhood as well. And the damn thing is old enough to drink now, so I think it deserves mm-hmm. another look at. The, the, the interesting thing here is, and I think it's just in, in that sea of Star Wars um, news lately with you know, Lucasfilm games coming back and Ubisoft getting a slice of the pie and stuff, that the most interesting thing is that it's not with Bioware. And to be honest, I'm kind of fine yeah. with that. I think they have their own things that need to be sorted out. And I don't know whether this is like a remake or if it's going to be a new, a brand new one, yeah. you know, potentially, but it's just, you know, in, in all the Star Wars news that's coming out, I'm just kind of happy to see it. Now, it was reported by a podcast called the Star Wars Insider Bespin Bulletin. That's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> Say that three times fast. And um, later. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> in the, uh, the, the CG cast after uh, that. You know? Go to our OnlyFans. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they they basically said that they have heard rumblings for this for a while now. It was reported like earlier last year, like early in that year, and he's obviously after hearing a bit more about it. The thing that makes the rumor more valid is the the man himself, Jason Schreier of uh, Kotaku and now Bloomberg fame. Uh, he is basically said that he's heard the same rumors as well, but that it isn't EA or Bioware involved, and that we'll never guess who the studio actually is. Vicarious Visions. Oh, that's why they got merged. <laughs> Actually, I would love to see that. <laughs> just, just gotta say it while we're on it. Like, <laughs> that'd be a great fit. But in fairness, they, like if to you know invoke the old lines of the old Republic, you probably wouldn't get a much better studio. Mm. Um, I have my own kind of, I wouldn't say theories, but I just there's there's more like uh, my nice to have kind of studios to get them behind this. Like you're obviously Obsidian who did the sequel, yeah, and uh, the Republic Two, which was a fantastic game as well. Um, they'd be up right up there, but I imagine they're quite busy at the moment with their own kind of stuff. And they probably kind of, well, you know, they're at that point where they're just kind of past it and they don't need it. So, well, they're underneath Microsoft now, so that would have to be like, you know, Microsoft getting the license and all that jazz now. I mean, not necessarily like, um, Bethesda got Indiana Jones, you know, true, true. So, I mean, it, it could easily happen and Xbox don't seem interested in making, you know, Obviously, third-party games, like licensed games like that. Oh, wouldn't it be lovely, though, if they did, considering, you know, KOTOR's 
relationship with the old Xbox. Mm. Like, wouldn't wouldn't that be a great return of form? Wouldn't that be like the exclusives that they need? Yeah, yeah, back in the day. Yeah. Oh, like if they got like that Kabbalah games back again and just like remade the hell out of them, <laughs> you know? And just like we got them back. But anyway, like it they seems it seems as if it's with somebody. Trier thinks it's going to be somebody good that we're not necessarily going to, I guess, presume. Like, it's not, it's not somebody that's on the tip of our tongue to do so. So not only is that encouraging, but it's also a little intriguing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm somebody who's tried to get into KOTOR up and down over the years. I have it on disc on, I have both of them. I think I got both of them for like two bucks a piece in CEX here. And I've tried multiple times with backwards compatibility to play them on the Xbox. They don't hold up great. Um, the, 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 the controls and the, the looks, and the, they haven't aged brilliantly. And I'm sure there's a fantastic story in there. And I'm sure if I'd played it before, I'd think differently. But coming at it with a fresh set of eyes in, you know, 2020 or whatever, it was always kind of hard and I always bounced off with them. If they put a new lick of paint on that bad boy, I would love I've, to experience I've tried going story. back to them. Like, it, you're not wrong in feeling that it's, like, dated. It is very dated. And especially the second one still has all those that broken stuff that was in it from beforehand. Like, I mean, the best way to play them would probably be on PC because, like, modders have, like, fixed everything. And it still plays the same way. But, you know, you can... That'll be your best yeah. place to go and play them. If you really wanted to actually, ex- like, have the, the best experience gameplay-wise, honestly, the MMO, Old Republic, is, like... of roughly of the same quality as those two games and it's still going strong and they mm. update it and stuff it's i've been playing it on and off uh, for weeks now and um yeah it's just impressive that it like it still feels like an old republic game even though it's like kind of almost a different genre even it's impressive and the story's good uh, there you have it folks james desmond recommended <laughs> before we move on uh shane aaron any relationship with the KOTOR franchise or anything you'd like to see out of it none for me anyway um that's one of those gaps in my star wars fandom like i, I like star me wars too. a lot i like games star wars games star wars movies that kind of thing but that's one of those gaps that i've never experienced so i don't have much of a horse in that race if as it were Mm-mm-mm. yeah yeah no I'm, I'm kind of the same as shane um i mean i've I've only heard good things uh about the games i kind of miss them myself unfortunately but um yeah i mean i suppose with with the amount of fan adoration for that whole series um there's kind of a lot of pressure on them so i mean hopefully they they hold up to it yeah yeah here's hoping we won't count our tauntauns until they're hatched <laughs> But with that, let's move the hell on to... Number two. Strap in, ladies and gentlemen, because we're about to talk about the US stock market. <laughs> oh, buckle up. Buckle up. I know. This is, this is going to be some, some ride. I know. So GameStop, a company we're all familiar with, a company that sells games and hardware and blah, blah, blah from the brick and mortar stores, their stock has absolutely skyrocketed beyond belief mm-hmm. to the point where off current estimates, the company is getting roughly the same valuation as like Walmart and Best Buy, who are very profitable companies who sell way more stuff than games. You may have heard of them. You might be asking. Yeah, you might be asking <laughs> yourself, why is this happening? Do tell. Well, this is once again the, the wonderful corner of the Internet that is Reddit decided to start buying up. GameStop stock and that in turn started driving up the price but I'll explain why that happens um this is going to sound a bit weird and boring for a moment but I it, 
you need to understand this part to understand what's going on. Okay. Are any familiar with what short selling is? Um, let's pretend I'm not. Okay. Let's assume I'm not. So, <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to give you a simple analogy to explain what short selling is. Okay, I love it. So, right. Phil, you're a, gr- a gorilla and you have five bananas, okay? How very <laughs> dare you, sir. My mother was a saint. Um, <laughs> I, I've got five bananas. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah, you're a gorilla and you have five bananas. Mm-hmm. I am a, I am a, a, sneaky, a sneaky snake that slithers towards you. Because I know from my kind of expertise in the fruit market that I think bananas are going to drop in price. Okay, right. So first of all, I'm a gorilla with five bananas. You are a sneaky snake and you've got insider yes. trading information. <laughs> like, why? No, no, no. Not insider, not, not, <laughs> not insider trading information. I'm just very savvy about the fruit market. And I... <laughs> Based off previous experience, I know that the price of bananas are going to drop. And we're getting into the weeds here. With okay, this okay. We just need to get to okay. the Okay, I just wanted to right. know why this started off like a kid's book and all of a sudden we're talking about the fruit market. <laughs> I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. Okay, go, go, go. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The I'm stock sorry. market's cruising, right? So you're a gorilla with five bananas. I'm a snake who knows that I'm pretty sure that soon the price of bananas are going to mm-hmm. drop. So... I ask, can I borrow your five bananas so I can sell them to make some money? Right. As part of that deal, I have to promise to give you back your five bananas at some stage. But because I have the knowledge that bananas are going to drop in price, if I sell them now and then I can buy them back later cheaper, I'm going to have made some money and still return your bananas to you. Yes. That is, that is short selling. The thing about short selling is, okay, I have to return your bananas to you. That's the law. That's the rule. Yeah. And I have to buy them back for the price that the market has set. Mm-hmm. So a major hedge fund investor company decided to try short GameStop stock. Yeah. And the fine people of Reddit were like, no, no, no. So this company bought about 15 million in GameStop stock to short it because they knew it was going to drop. And then the people of Reddit, particularly the Wall Street's bet subreddit, decided that they were going to stick it to the hedge funds and they were going to start buying up all of the GameStop stock they could driving the price sky high which means that hedge fund company now has to buy that stock back like at five or six times what they paid for it It essentially which is essentially (laughs) going to bankrupt them yeah like it is essentially (laughs) that that reddit group is like the stock market robin hood of like they're they're kind of like the stock market anonymous you know they're like sticking it to the man i love it 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 is and everybody like the, the whole internet anyone who is like you know happy about the internet and loves to side with people getting justice on the fat cats everyone is for this but we have gotten to a point now where it's getting so out of control that number one the white house has said they're monitoring the situation several stock trading platforms have stopped trading gamestop stock two major hedge funds hedge funds have reported losses of 70 billion and are going out of business one of them has already got a government bailout and was probably going to need a second one if they want to stay afloat and now all the industry bigwigs, like all the hedge fund managers and stuff, are all crying like little babies, going like, oh, they shouldn't be allowed to do this. They're, they're messing with this and they're messing with that. And they're, this is like against the, the natural order of the free market and trading. But it's not. 
It's the free it's market. It's exactly what they've been which, doing. Perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not even that it's that it's against the free market. It's just exposing a flaw in the system that people have been using for years. Yep. And yeah. it's kind of one of those things where they were sitting there and they were like, they want to cover it up now because they were like, yeah, we, we've just been making money off this for years. Yep. What? I didn't know poor people could do it as well. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like honor among thieves. Like, I think, like, all of the Wall, uh, Wolf of Wall Street type crowds, I think they all have, like, a kind of an unspoken agreement where they don't step on each other's turf or whatever. And then Reddit comes in all swinging, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, like, it mostly just kind of sums down to, like, people on Wall Street have been getting together in, like, private rooms for years and discussing, oh, where are we going to put our money? And where are we going to short sell? And where are we going to inflate the stock of? And now people on Wall Street bets just kind of did all that, but not in a private room, on a public forum board and people just have a massive problem with it because the people that normally you know make millions are now only making half as many millions yeah the best thing is like it's not even that they're yeah. not even making half as much they have put two hedge funds out of business and like hedge hedge funds are the kind mm-hmm. of thing for people that don't know what a hedge fund is like they play the stock market on a scale of billions like they invest and buy and trade in billions of dollars at a time in single swoops like in single transactions yeah, and they, yeah. ha- they have now been shut yeah. down by an online internet forum and good riddance but as the savvy uh gorilla that i am i just want to know what this means for my lucrative five banana <laughs> portfolio you know what i if think I it means what does it mean i think to go back to aaron's analogy i think they're going to have to sell a couple of yachts to be able to afford that um xbox oh. game <laughs> cool, <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> They may have to pour their own champers this summer. But look, for for any for anyone anyone who doesn't know, these like if anyone might be even slightly feeling sorry for these hedge fund a holes, I just want you to know if you're listening out there, these are the people that caused the housing financial crash of two thousand eight and pretty much bankrupted yeah. the planet. And and like all these recessions and yeah, you know, it's kind of <laughs> it's, it's down to like the ninety nine percent saying, "Hi, I don't like you taking my tax money and gambling it away," and then. You know, we have to pay the price in the end, so we're gonna fight back and not care that you're losing yeah. all your money. Pretty much, pretty much. But we're not political. And I would like to say as well that like GameStop has no part in this. This just happened to be the stock that was chosen mm-hmm. by Wall Street. Yeah, and then, I heard like an interesting take where like someone was saying, you know, GameStop was kind of the perfect stock for this to entirely rally behind because a lot of people weren't too favorable to GameStop, whether it was because they worked there or had experiences there or you know, a multitude of other things. And so you kind of got to manipulate the market using a company you weren't too favorable of in order to mess over the income and earnings of people you also weren't too favorable of and you know ultimately i mean i mean it'd be very interesting what gamestop kind of does with this Mm -hmm. um you know with this influx of cash or however it has affected their income to kind of say um like how are they going to properly restructure to to fix this you know some people are saying could this be a complete change for gamestop a swing away from brick and mortar stores into a more sort of um esports cafe based thing is what maybe they should do or you know a lot of people are saying you know invest in esports is a big growing industry change your whole business system is a possible way um it, i mean i just think it'd be really interesting to see what gamestop do coming out of this whole situation you know yeah but that would take some competency at the top yeah, I don't, i'm true. not confident that it's there <laughs> But with that, will we leave the fat cats to dwindle in their own sorrows and move on to our number one? Yeah, go for it. 
Number one. This week's number one is one that we actually don't have that much news on, but it is a major one because it's it's the first bit of news we've gotten in a long time from one of the biggest players in video games, full stop. Valve own Gabe Newell confirms that the company is working on several new games with very little details after that. The reason this made number one is because you got to look at Valve. You got to look at the track record here. Like you've got to look at your Half-Lives, your Left 4 Deads, your Portals, your Team Fortresses. When, when these guys were knocking them out, they were knocking them out to the point where they just put their genius into, let's look at digital distribution. And they just coined that and haven't had to lift a finger on gaming apart from the odd thing here or there ever since. And people have speculated that they were kind of afraid to get back into the market. Now, the four you pointed out half-life alex is out there we get I, I i realize that but vr experiences are always kind of like secondary in most of the gaming landscapes mind do you know we haven't seen like a half-life tree or a portal tree or a left for dead tree for that matter uh, <laughs> but it seems as if they're working on new titles boys are we excited i swear to god one of these better be portal tree <laughs> I swear to God. I don't know. Um, I don't think it will be. Then I don't care. If not, if, if Steam's dead to me, if they don't make Portal 3. Or Valve, like, I love, should I say? I love Steam. both Steam's portals. Steam's service they sell games through. God. No, like, I love both portals, but, like, I, like I'm very much like, a story kind of guy. So, like, when, like, Portal 2 kind of ends, you're like, yeah, that, that, that feels about right. But, I mean, you know, it'll make, it, it's also one of those ones that'll be yeah, primed to make money yeah. as well. But then again, Steam doesn't seem really to need it too much. So, I don't know. You look at it this way, right? You look at your Half-Life, and it's like, it's very narrative driven and it's not only is it narrative driven, but Half-Life is that is that title that they always use to push innovation. You know, like every Half-Life game is innovative in some way, including Alex. Um, so I get why there's not a tree coming out. I get why they're not chomping at the bit to like, you know, disappoint the world potentially on whatever they release. I get that. However, Portal and Left 4 Dead are two franchises that although I love Portal 1 and Portal 2 even more and again I love Left 4 Dead they're games that are just a concept you know it's just you know traversal mechanic puzzles and shooting zombies with four people not the hardest concepts to make a third game of to cash in on and everybody would be pretty happy with you know like they would have been made surely in the last 20 years you know what I think it is even um sorry James go ahead thank you um what I think it is, is that like Valve had the same um, emergency glass case that Nintendo have, where it's like a breaking case of emergency. Oh, people don't like us. Half-Life 3 has been announced. You know, they must have because like they're not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that is a nice idea to have. I like to think that they have that too, but I honestly think that the companies are far more, you know, they're, they're far more back from these ideas than we think they are from our from our seats these seem obvious but then like i think gabe newell and their teams they're so creative they're allowed so much creative freedom that i'd say anytime half-life tree comes up or portal tree comes up or whatever because it obviously comes up all the time internally i'm sure in discussions and whatever round tables like the idea probably comes up they probably come up with a concept they probably workshop it for like a year and then they go eh, i'm not really feeling it anymore and they kind of move on to something else and it just gets shelved do you know and even Gabe in himself said that, like, you know, there's many code names floating around in Valve at the moment. He's not even up to date on what all of them are because they're constantly shifting and constantly changing. That gives me a lot of, you know, knowledge to say that clearly ideas are just 
they're just happening, baby. They're just like, it's like Renaissance Italy here, you know, like the lads are just trying stuff, you know, they're just trying things. Whatever happens, happens, like, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, personally, I'm, I'm kind of terrified of the concept of a Left 4 Dead 3 coming out and it's just, you know, another battle royale. Oh, God. Um, or even worse, it's a battle royale in VR. Hey, hey, don't knock that till you tried it. I tried one recently and actually that that's <laughs> wow. that's the one way I, I will accept Battle Royale at the moment. It's actually a really good experience. Right, fair enough. Um <laughs> I, I would be very much interested to try it out, especially one of those like omnidirectional treadmills. Um yeah, just because I, I, I think like VR really shines as like an extension of games. Sure. And I think it'll like really really come to life to get a VR game where you have like all the materials. I don't know, have like a treadmill and a a sand bunker in your house to hide behind or something, John Fire. And just make sure you laminate that virginity card. Like it's like <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> But um but like yeah, I well we're we are getting that spiritual successor to Left for Dead from some of the team anyway. So I think I think it's very, very you know, uh nail driven into the coffin to say, well, Left for Dead tree probably is never gonna happen. Um, at least not as long as that other thing releases and it's somewhat successful. Yeah, I mean, the other thing has been released by Turtle Rock, who made Left 4 Dead, but obviously Valve holds the keys to Left 4 Dead now. And I mean, if you watch the trailer for that and have played Left 4 Dead, they are identical games, yep. down to almost character designs and everything. Like, it's, I'm surprised there's not a lawsuit. Yep, so that's off the table. Half-Life 3 is, I'd say, 100% off the table. I think we just we just deal with that as a community right now. Okay, like just if it ever happens, it's a pleasant surprise, <laughs> you know, but it's dead. Yeah, I mean, it's like dead. Valve kind of just loses stock now if they release Half-Life 3. Um, yeah, because it's just kind of it's gone on so long <laughs> that like once it's got, once it's released, what what yeah. else is there to give us? We're happy. Alex was a great idea because, like I said earlier, VR games were like separate in the gamer's mind. So Alex could come out and everybody that played it loves it. People who don't have a headset aren't necessarily rushing out to buy a headset to play it because they still don't think of it as the next Half-Life, even though it is kinetically the next Half-Life. You know, people still don't want to play it because it's not on the PC or, well, you know what I mean. Um, So that made sense where it's like, yeah, we do want to continue the story, but we don't want the backlash. Make a VR game. That just says to me that they don't have the cojones to release the full Half-Life 3. Did any of you guys actually, uh, because it's something to Phil's point there about Half-Life 3, but it was in relation to Half-Life Alex, and it was a documentary-style thing, and they were pretty much directly asked, or they brought it up themselves about Half-Life 3, and the guy who was one of the um, creative leads in it basically said that, you know, we've prototyped a bunch of stuff, but it's kind of we're not comfortable with half the stuff that we do. So we just kind of yeah. shelve it and then maybe go back to it later. But we, we only want to do it if it's going to be exactly right. And this is the only reason Half-Life Alex is made is because we had the right idea and the right people to do it. And that's pretty much how they view all their IP. So which is great exactly. to hear as well, and especially for them to be candid about it as well. I prefer, I prefer that over just like this, like, oh, like, you know, tiptoeing around it. They're just like, no, you know, we're not ready. So no, <laughs> no, exactly. I'd love to see something new coming out of it. Yeah, me too. Like, I just want them to do something new with no strings attached, where the gaming landscape isn't trying to tear them apart for whatever decision they make, you know? Such a creative place, workspace, it seems. Let's just see them go nuts, you know? Um, Hopefully, we hear more about that in the near future. But, lads, will we take a very quick break, let people know about our beautiful, beautiful socials, and then come back, tell people what we CG consumed, this very week and read out this week's question of the week do it to it 
Do it, do it, play the thing! Hi there! If you've made it this far, let me take the opportunity to thank you. If you would like to support the podcast or all things CGC, you can do so in a number of ways. Please do follow and subscribe to the podcast, and where possible, leave us a review. It will help us make the show better and also help our visibility grow. To stay up to date with all things CGC, do check out and join all of our socials in the description below. That's the Casual Game Community over on Facebook, at CG Critic on both Twitter and Insta. And of course, be sure to check out all of our content at CasualGameCritic.com. Thank you again for all of your support. It means the world to us. Now, back to the show. And we are back. And because we are back, I want to know what you guys have consumed over the past week. Shane, I'm going to start it up with you, buddy. What's the story? What have you been playing? What have you been watching? What have you been doing? Still been playing Ghost Runner a little bit, which I already went through last week is like trying to pat your head and rub your stomach and tread a needle all at the same time. Nice. So I'm, I'm not going to get into that. I have played a bit more of Hollow Knight, though, which I know you were excited for me to tell you about last time I mentioned the Hollow Knight. Yes. Um, I'm still not very far into it. I'm up as far as the first kind of major boss, the knight guy with the big mace thing. He's like one of the first big bosses you come across. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of struggling with my bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, I just haven't got the kind of rhythm down or timing down of the game yet. So I'm still kind of struggling with him. So I took I take, took a break from it for a day or two. And now I'm probably tomorrow or the next day I'm going to try give it another tackle because I'm interested now to push on. I've played enough now that it has its hooks in me and I'm interested to push on into that world and see what's going on. That game only gets really good when you have unlocked a couple of abilities. Like, you are going to struggle a little bit at the beginning. And even if it's not from a difficulty perspective, it's just you can't do a lot. There's not a lot of mechanics in the beginning. But then they start layering them on. And then the actual enemies and the environment start layering it on. And it becomes this beautiful ballet of Metroidvania meets Dark Souls. It's beautiful. It's just, it's, it's a beautiful game once it gets going. You will love it, but I know you have said in the past that 2D Dark Souls is kind of hard for you. It is, it is, because I can't strafe from like side to side and do the <laughs> whole, you know, shield up, circle around the enemy, get a backstab kind of thing going on. But I'm committed now. I'm committed to Hollow Knight and I'm going to see where it takes me. Yeah, I, I hope to hear more. Um, Anything else? No, that's it. Other than that, I've just been watching like, you know, crap TV or anything. No cool movies or cool series. Actually, sorry, I watched Tenet the other day because I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan I finally got around to watching it I I could do a whole podcast on it because it is I've mixed emotions about that film it's very well shot it looks gorgeous other than that it's pretty much a steaming turd pile thank you that's exactly how I feel (laughs) and I always get vilified for saying it yeah yeah. (laughs) you know it's one of those it's one of those things where like it's, it's like it's like he got a like a director of photography to make a movie. So their shots are beautiful. Everything is amazing and excellent and wonderful and looks gorgeous. And then like a director of photography's job is not to write a movie. They don't know how to do everything else except make things look nice. And it really shows. I'm kind of happy that that film bombed. And that's not because I don't like Christopher Nolan. It's because when we came out of the first lockdown, a buddy of mine asked me would I be interested to go to the cinema right as the lockdown ended and the cinema had just opened and I was kind of like I don't know I don't really want to be in an enclosed space with loads of people right now it's it doesn't sound that great to me you know and he's like ah, I'll be fine like, I don't know like I'm sorry there's no nothing personal I just, it just doesn't suit me right now so n- since then I've heard nothing but bad things about Tenet I'm like 
Well, at least it didn't miss a bad movie or yeah. a good movie. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it definitely wouldn't be worth a trip to the cinema. And I wanted to take a trip to the cinema when it was first due to come out. When I heard I about did. it, I was like, that's one to put on the cinema list. I there did. are some movies you just want to go And I went to New Mutants movie. as well. You did? Oh, yeah. oh, I, oh, sorry, James. I made two bad decisions. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It wasn't worth it, so. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to at you there. That, that was just more of a personal thing. <laughs> But um, but yeah, good stuff. Uh, what about you, Aaron? What have you been up to? Yeah, so I've actually I've I've gone back uh, to No Man's Sky. I've been playing quite nice. a lot of uh, quite a lot of that recently. Yeah, Sweet. it's um, I've been very much loving recently is kind of games that just allow you like sort of ultimate freedom uh, and just give you loads of short term goals mm-hmm. that you can just kind of. Especially when you're playing a game like No Man's Sky, it's very much like, oh well, I want this, so I have to get that, so I have to get this and yeah you have to get that and yeah i, I kind of love that it really keeps me interested um just I'll, I'll you know knowing that there's an ultimate goal in sight and it's just all these little things you have to pick away at to get there but it's it's one of those perfect games you just kind of sit down and listen to something in the background it's a whole different game nowadays mm. as oh, well yeah, like at launch yeah, that was yeah, that was weak sauce at launch like. oh yeah no definitely i actually i bought it for like eight quid on the ps4 and um mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I did not like it. It, uh, I, I, I think I actually only put in about eight hours of playtime, so like a euro per hour. So, it, and it, it, even at that, it still wasn't worth it. Yeah, but yeah. Whether I saw it in like an article or a YouTube video or something, just something sparked my interest again, and so I downloaded it, bought it, downloaded it, and uh, yeah, had like seventy-two hours in it in yeah. like the space of two nice. weeks. So I, I very much enjoyed my time with it. So um, yeah, so it's 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 very fun to play and just sit back and relax and just take in the scenery. I suppose it's crazy what you can do now, though. Like the the uh, the infrastructure you can build and the actual like I di- I dip back into it up and down on the xbox and it was free on the epic store a couple of months back so i got to experience it a little bit in vr via my wireless vr headset thing plugged into the pc i just need a better cable though but that game it's impressive where they've ended up oh yeah no 100 percent. and i've I've very much enjoyed my time with it i I can't really complain you know um just getting to kind of see all the scenery and sit back and listen to something in the background the the sky gets dark, you close the blinds, turn on the LEDs and just listen to an audiobook or something, Joe. It kind of like, it's one of those real chill games or in the same vein as like Minecraft or something. That, mm. um, yeah, it just really works with something in the background, but um, it, it's kind of, it's better than therapy, as I was saying before this show. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what I've actually been doing. I've um, I, I've been putting on all the leds and i've been cranking the speakers and i've been listening to like 80s synthwave while playing no man's sky and listening to like audiobooks on space uh stuff but like max tedmark and stuff like that and about like reality and stuff because every so often you get like that golden moment of you've just gotten in your ship and the song is like building up and, and max is like reading out his book and he's like and that's how we knew it was a fundamental reality of time. And then the beat hits and the ship takes off and flies <laughs> into space. And, oh, it's glorious. Yeah. And like, I, I can't even describe it. Like you have the dirtiest grin. <laughs> like all these, all four forms of media I'm consuming have like come that's together amazing. to form this like beautiful moment. And that's what, that's what playing No Man's Sky is all about. <laughs> I'm going to be looking for links off you, my friend. But that does sound like a lovely evening in. James, how about you? How have you been spending your lovely evenings in? 
Lovely. To, oh, that's yeah. how I've been spending. <laughs> um, looking at a few things, uh, Cyber Shadow came out uh, a couple mm. of days ago, start of the week, actually. It's like, um, it's like a remake. Well, not a remake, actually, sorry. It's in the vein of uh, your NES, NES, sorry, for people who do that, uh, Ninja Gaiden, or uh, for me, Mega Man specifically is what it reminds me the most of. Okay, and, I'm interested. Yeah, like awesome soundtrack and absolutely nail-bitingly hard. Oh, I have nearly thrown my switch across the room, <laughs> but but it's kind of old school hard as well. And I I remember reading about it. I, it looked cool, and then I was reading reviews, and they were like, hey, "It's tough but fair." And I was like, "Oh, cool! I, I'm fine with tough but fair." And I I feel like they undersold that a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's still good. It's it's damn good. It's it's giving me that um cyber itch that was not scratched by cyberpunk, but that's a different story. You were cyberpunk. And outside of that, I oh. Was I? Oh, oh. <laughs> you're talking wait, wait. about. I, we we have a dad joke quota defeat here. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about 72 hours of gameplay. Like I had that, but wasted. Anyway, <laughs> me too, brother. Me too. <laughs> Outside of that, Hitman Two. I'm doing kind of slightly inspi- inspired by your uh, Road to Hades pieces, Phil, on CasualGameCritic.com. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a Road to Hitman Three, like just playing them for my own pleasure and stuff nice and i beat one and i'm about halfway through two now and i'm quite enjoying the the stealth and stuff it's been a hot minute since i got to play a stealth game nice nice i've actually been wanting to jump back into them as well with hitman 3 after being released but the issue there is i'm being held to goddamn ransom by a company by the name of sony and their lack of consoles because I I want to play Hitman 1 and 2 in the Tree Engine. But I own Hitman on PS4. So I'm just like I I don't want I don't want to play the old versions now. Now that I know there's a new version I I own once I buy Tree, why the hell would I want to pick this up? So I'm just like I I feel like I'm, my hands are cuffed waiting for <laughs> Sony to put a PS5 that I can get my hands on into a GameStop near me. I deliberately bought Hitman 2 when it was like 15 quid just before Hitman 3 came out. Mm-hmm. And just decided, look, I'm just going to play them as they were. Yeah. And then move into Hitman 3 so I can just see the kind of, you know, ev- uh, evolution, so to speak. So I'm kind of fine with that. Gotcha. But for me, like the, the main course tonight, now the medium is out and I've been, I, it's been sitting in my installed uh, games on, on the Xbox since it became yeah available so yeah that's the big one from microsoft at this point as well isn't it like that that's their like tentpole exclusive for q1 really isn't it pretty much yeah it's not on it i think it's xbox series exclusive so and pc but you know is it yeah and i actually well i I need to double check that but i'm pretty sure it was like the first one that was like this is just a next gen game for xbox i thought the whole point of xbox was that they weren't doing that that everything was evergreen i think it's down to the publisher and bloober team aren't um you know they're not under microsoft's banner they just have a publishing deal with them right so i think that's how that works mad okay but yeah, I can't wait to play it. I love my horror games, and I've just been on a mad. I, I just want to play like a new one, and I've heard good things about it. And it'll be nice to give the yeah, Xbox. I've heard mixed things. Yeah, yeah, like I've heard mixed things about it. I've I've heard. I guess I will wait, and we'll get your 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 take on it. You know, we we won't poison the well or anything. But it does it does seem like I thought it was going to be a knockout of the park when nobody was really talking about it, and it was just going to come out, and it was just going to be like the next Silent Hill. Mm. Do you know? That that that's my impression of where I was going to go, but 
I'll be interested to hear what I'll, you think. I'll, I'll be keeping you updated. Not to worry, lads. Not to worry. Casualgamecritic.com. <laughs> Good stuff, dude. Casualgamecritic.com, he says. And I have been tooling around on a few bits and pieces. I have been keeping up with Like a Dragon. I put about two or three hours into that whenever I can. Currently, it's it's so weird. Like, my partner sometimes walks into the sitting room when I'm playing it, and she's like, is this still Yakuza? <laughs> and I go, yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Promptly walks um, out. Because every time she walks in, it, well, yeah, <laughs> there's something weird happens. But every time she walks in, I'm doing something different. You know, I'm like one day I'm running up and down. Uh, it's not Camarocho. I always forget the name of the city you're in in the beginning of Like a Dragon. But I'm running around the city with my party and I'm doing RPG stuff. And then the next night, um, I might stumble across a mini game where it's like Mario Kart in Yakuza. And it's awesome. And I get sucked into that for a couple of hours, trying to, just trying to beat all the challenges in it. And then the next night I'll go down to the Sega Club. And I didn't know this. Did you know this? Virtua Fighter 5, the full Xbox 360 <laughs> game, is in Yakuza. Cool. You can go I into... Yeah, you can go into the Sega arcade place, and it, it's the arcade version of it, so you put in 100 yen or whatever, and you pick your character, and you can go through the entirety of um, of Virtua Fighter 5, even the bonus stages, as any character you want, and it's just there. Like, they've always had stuff like old Sega games in there, you know, like, they've always had, um, like, let's say, claw machines and all, like, uh, games that went to the NES when they were converted from the arcades. But they've never had anything this ambitious. And it is absolutely awesome. When I, when I went up, I was like, Virtua Fighter 5? I was like, no way. And I got put in, I was like, oh, my God, this is actually the same game I have on my PS3 behind me. <laughs> this, is, this is insane. But yeah, that's the point. She walks in. I'm either doing something different, 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 different. That game has so many different flavors. Highly recommended. Please, everybody, no matter what your gaming taste is, play that goddamn game. Game of 2020. I didn't play until 21. Would you say, just just on that note, if someone was like, I want to play a Yakuza game, would you recommend Like a Dragon or any of the other ones? I would say jump into Like a Dragon. Um, I think... It's definitely if you if you jumped into the other Yakuza games and you didn't vibe with them, you might never play Like a Dragon, and that's a crime. I think Like a Dragon is the most easiest one to pick up. It's the most batch, and it is definitely, I guess, the most fun. And the main character Ichiban, like I loved Kiryu from the older games, I loved him, but he was a stoic character. Ichiban is by far the best character in video games in the last decade, as far as I'm concerned. Like, honest to God, play it, and you will see what I mean. He, he's amazing. But I've been rattling on too long on this, on a game I've already spoken about. Walking Dead Saints and Sinners was another game I played this week because I had some money sitting on a card from Christmas, and I said, hell with it, onto the Oculus store, and bought this virtual reality experience. And I'm happy to say, lads, it's a pretty sweet game. Um, I'm not big into Walking Dead anymore. I liked that show when it first came out and I just fell away from it. But thankfully, it has very little to do with the show. It is specifically a zombie survival game where you have to go out into the world, get materials, you know, you're picking stuff up off the ground and out of cupboards and stuff. And then you bring it back to your camp to make more stuff to kind of progress the story. Uh, It's very involved. There's a lot going on. And the actual act of killing zombies is super satisfying. Like, you get a shiv and you shove it into a zombie's forehead with your own action, of course. And then the thing gets stuck in his head. And so, like, when you pull your hand back, the zombie comes with it. So you have to kind of put your other hand 
onto his head and grab it and pull the knife out. Or then if you're swinging an axe, you've got two hands and you're getting in on top of him. Like everything is super satisfying. And the only drawback is it's so easy to tell that it was a PC VR game that got ported to the Oculus Quest because those textures are muddy as all hell. Anything, anything that is not on your person is absolutely unreadable. Like, if you look at the graphic on the side of a van on the middle of the street, you cannot tell what it says on it. You cannot read it. It's, it's impossible. It's just a grey, brown and blue smudge. Uh, <laughs> I was, when you were looking at it, you were going, it's a good thing this game is fun because that is unacceptable. <laughs> that would wreck my head. Yeah. That would utterly wreck my head. And it does. Especially in VR. It does. It wrecks my head as well. So what I'm going to do is with Oculus, you get to upgrade to the PC Oculus version of it if that's available. So it's it's like buy one, buy anywhere kind of a deal, you know? Um, So I'm going to get one of those cables that gives me good data transfer into that bad boy. And I'm going to try out the PC one because if I can get that looking crisp, oh boy, I might be <laughs> the new Norman Reedus of this podcast. But Outside of that, we have kicked off a new stream over at CGC underscore Phil, uh, where we are doing every Wednesday a Pokemon Green, would you believe, Nuzlocke challenge, where we are looking at the ROM hack of Blue, which brings in all of the stuff from Green. That's the sprites, that's the you know characters, that's whatever the changes were, slight changes to music, all that type of stuff, into that hack and we're playing it in the nuzlocke fashion that means if a you know anything dies or faints it's gone we have to release it you know all of the standard uh rules apply i've Sounds never done daunting. one of those before lads and i gotta say it's a lot harder than like, i thought it'd be every time i'm looking into a battle i'm like oh crap like one of my pokemon is like half held if i get like one critical hit he's gone good luck and then you're constantly just worried like well if he goes then the next guy's not strong enough to battle on his own. And it's like, I could be just, the game is over. Do you know what I mean? And especially when people looking at you, you don't want to look like a fool, you know? I have a bone to pick with you about this stream. Oh yeah, yeah, I've so, heard about this too. I was sitting sitting home last night, minding my own business, watching a bit of TV. I get a text from a mutual friend. Go, it's just, just saying, you are now the Gary in Phil's Pokemon game. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I commented on his stream and suggested that he called his nemesis your name and now he's done that. So and I just found out about this by, by text. Yeah. And I don't I don't think you were ever going to tell me, Phil, were you? I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I was actually <laughs> raging. And that that was the funny thing, because in a Nuzlocke, it is encouraged that the chat name everything, Pokemon and anything else's name. So the main character got named Brash, which was a combination of two people in the chat. But when it came to uh, nom- or nom- nominating, naming my nemesis in the game. Ash, I believe, threw out Shane Bow, and I just broke down. I was just like, "That's that's inspired. <laughs> that's just like okay, the guy I speak to every week. Like, yeah, of course, that that's gonna be the one." And then when we did that, it was like half an hour in. I was like, "I can't wait to never tell Shane about this." And <laughs> just like. See how long it takes for him to know, and uh, I she just put in the chat. Oh, I already texted oh, yeah. him. She was, Damn she, it. she couldn't wait. She was so excited to text me. <laughs> but the the exploits of Brash, Shanebow, Ned, our Bulbasaur, um, Cheez It, the Ratata, and Finbar, the Metapod, 
are going to continue this Monday, 8 o'clock Irish time. Be there, be square. I prefer if you are square. Will we move on from all this madness and get to our question of the week? Yes. Why not? Question of the week. This week's question of the week does not come from Connor Long because I misspoke, I'm a jackass, and I do apologize specifically to Connor Williams, who was in fact our question of the week submitter. And Colin, Colin is Connor, I don't know why, but your name is just it, it's escaping me. It's escaping me, you know? <laughs> But Connor Williams, the gent that he is, over on our community, the casual game community over on Facebook, submitted the question to us, which reads as such. What game series that changed features for either better or worse? For example, Resi going first person or RPG systems in Assassin's Creed? Great question from Connor. What, I guess, do you guys feel are examples of franchises or just straight up, you know, games that had a revamp? that just changed the mold for better and then we'll go around the table really quickly and go for worse um Shane you want to go first better the only one I had in mind the only one I had in mind before we started recording was one for worse <laughs> I didn't actually think of one for better for whatever reason uh okay. so my worst, Give me your worst is Devil May Cry to Devil May Cry 2 Ooh, oh god yeah yeah, I don't hate it as much as everybody else does, but I know James does. The, the first Devil May Cry game I ever played was actually two, so for a while I didn't know any different. And then I played, went back and played mm. one, and I was like, "What? Why did they do this to two? One is such a better experience." Like, but all the stuff they stripped out of it, all the cool weapons and all the cool like um, moves and special abilities you can unlock and all that, just got completely stripped in favor of making it more like a Resident Evil with swords, as it were, like another Onimusha, basically. You know, it went more of that kind of uh, yeah. survival horror element, but it just it stripped all the coolness out of the game. For that's definitely for worse. But Shane, you're being very unfair. Mm. They stripped out certain features, mm. yes, but they also added in Hugo Boss clothing that you can unlock for Dante. But yeah, I'm over the moon about that. Don't don't forget the. <laughs> <laughs> um, they changed all the interesting characters and uh, really cool, coolly designed creatures for you fighting a building at one stage. So that was a good, that was a good change. Yes. Oh, I God. don't mind the building thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always here for the building. Everybody always points out the building. Like weirder stuff has happened. In like, the EMC weirder the is years. always more interesting. It's not like bland. I don't want to True. fight that is, a couple of that is true. you know panels of glass that has a face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah that's that's my answer is devil may cry devil may cry 2 i think it's an atrocity what they did to that game what's your feeling on dmc the the reboot i enjoyed dmc like for what it was um it's a really fun hack and slash and that's what i want from my devil may cry games i want a really fun hack and slash and 2 was not that 2 was only okay it was mediocre but like DMC brought back all the like a lot of the cool fast action wasn't too gone on the main enemy types those weird puppet things but other than that I really enjoyed the game I thought it was super mm. fun but that was harkening back to the first Devil May Cry because there was a load of those in that game if you remember I know yeah. but the um the the best thing about DMC I thought was that they got rid of a lot of the stupid tropes of the series like the really cheesy lines and the uh, sexualization of the female characters and stuff. DMC I thought was far more self-aware in a politically correct world, if you yes. get me. Yes. Whereas the Return to 5 has been it's a good game but it's very much in that 
Ooh, that's not okay these days type of way. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, no, it is. It's very, it's very true. It is true. Um, and you could argue that and, that's a positive in change of features. True, actually, yeah, that is, that is, there's, there you go. There's my answer. It's amazing how, how Phil speaks and it comes out of me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, that's it. That's, um, yeah, I just, I don't know why my brain automatically went to games that were like, have ruined themselves with changes rather than improved themselves. Maybe that's just my outlook on life. Maybe I'm, I'm just an eternal pessimist, apparently. <laughs> Um, James, any idea of any that were better and or worse? Um, my answer is to both questions actually in the same franchise. Ooh, interesting. Do tell. Dragon Age. Okay, elaborate. Easily. So Dragon Age 1 was that, that kind of classic kind of Bioware RPG that, you know, people really dug into, like, awesome story, great characters, like, really in-depth kind of turn-based mechanics as well that kind of evolved mm-hmm. over time. Dragon Age 2 was the utter opposite. Um, now, I only played bits of Dragon Age 2. I will, I, I'm, I'm going to raise my hand here. And I do understand that the story-wise was actually, there was some interesting stuff going on, but you can tell that game. Like, that game was, as I understand it, EA mandated that game be made within, like, 18 months. And it didn't actually come together in, until, like, the last six months. So it had basically about a year of development time. And it's insane that it even was made. Sure you know, to the level of quality that it came out at. Uh, but, like, it it fundamentally changed a bunch of things. It made the, the combat system was this weird mix of, like, this kind of mm-hmm. turn-based but hack-and-slashy, and it just didn't feel... It felt like um an early MMO, like, kind of early World of Warcraft kind of style. Yeah. And, I don't know, it just didn't vibe, and, like, it just got really into the, I want to say, just kind of gothic, kind of emo-esque kind of tropes mm. that were... Which were the style at the time. time. <laughs> as well, just in nor- normal culture. Okay, yeah. <laughs> It was just a really weird kind of. It was like whip, a like gaming whiplash, where you go in and you're like, you expect like, well, this is Dragon Age, and I'm going to expect it. Oh no, yeah. different. And yeah, uh, Dragon Age has always been like that weird, you know, speckled stepchild of Bioware, where they just never seem to give it any respect. They just want to toy with it every time. Yeah, um, I do know. Like, just from stuff that I've read about it, that, like, with Dragon Age 2 in particular, a lot of that, like, was, like, was just, they were under the wire, and they're like, we gotta get this out. So, it wasn't really up to them so much. But then Dragon Age Inquisition came along, and honestly, um, of all of them, I, I think it's the best one. Uh, it's, like, it's really long, and it's dragged out, like, the, especially the starting area is, is so dragged out, but, like, like the concepts of it are, are, are really solid. I, gotcha. Like, again, lore is really good, but the combat system is cool. It has that turn-based thing back again. But it also has, like, it's also real-time. It's kind of, I, the way i describe it would be, like, Final Fantasy twelve specifically. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the active time battling. Yeah, that, that active time battling. That's exactly yeah. what I was trying to think of. Um, that kind of style of game. And they did it really well. And it, I don't know, like, it was like a, it was another 180 again, because it wasn't exactly like what had come before, but it was, it was one of those things. Like, they went from good to yeah. bad to great. You know, yeah, in a matter yeah, of sequels. Yeah. The battle system in Inquisition was pretty good in the sense you yeah. had that, like, RTS angle of it as well. Like, you could potentially play that like a Command and Conquer. If you yeah, you could be really tactical about it. And I kind of gave that kind of, um, that, you know, pen and paper role-playing kind of aspect of it, where you're just kind of, like, thinking out your moves and you're able to see everything mm. and stuff, which is, I, yeah. It, it makes me excited for 4, but also because it's, like, you know, an even-numbered sequel that it could also be another Dragon Age 2, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, potentially. It, I don't know. They're just going to do something different with it and nobody's going to be happy because when you have a franchise where every single game in the franchise is different, 
then people all like the franchise for different reasons. So you've essentially painted yourself into a corner in terms of releasing <laughs> a new one. But that's it. Dragon Age Baby for uh, positive and negative from Jay. It's good answers, dude. Aaron, what about you, dude? Uh, yeah, so I'm actually, I'm the opposite of Shane. I have two positive ones. Um, mm. One of which is like a nice little nostalgic run um, that I'll mention. And then the second one could make half a fandom absolutely hate me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, the first one I'll mention, it's actually the first game I ever played. I got it with a PS2 when I was like eight. Is is uh, Jack and Daxter 1 and Jack and Daxter 2. Oh yeah. I mean like, for the first one, The Precursor's Legacy to be this like third person cartoony action platformer and the second one's just GTA in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, they're, they're whole separate uh, genres but yet the core mechanics from the first one translate perfectly to the second. Yep. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I really love it. I thought they did a great job you know, to change from this bright cartoony colourful world where you just hop on different platforms and kill these magical creatures to swing gunslinging around Haven City and flying hover cars and it you know it, it even still the core gameplay mechanics felt the same and worked fluidly between yep. those two games um and then the second one which you might find interesting Phil is Monster Hunter oh yeah um i mean like the difference between the handheld monster hunters and then monster hunter world that originally came out on PS4 I absolutely loved. I was waiting for for ages, and I get there was a big fear of um, there was a big fear of them sort of westernizing and taking out the core heart of Monster Hunter uh, when they translated it to the consoles. But they didn't. Mm. They absolutely didn't. Um, you know, it's still raw Monster Hunter. Yes. It's very fun to play. It's fluid. It's dynamic. Yeah. But, um, yeah. For me, the Monster Hunter World was sort of the game playification of like the cutscenes that all the games open with and so i loved it and i i feel like they didn't take away the heart of monster hunter that people were afraid of people thought that you know it was going to be more western and the heart we don't want to make it too easy for people to play it (laughs) yeah pretty much that was the fear because i know i i know the games do have a massive learning curve especially at the start yeah but um because they're very the, the games really come at you with the notion of you are a monster hunter you know mm-hmm. how to hunt monsters you're just going mm-hmm. into a village and you don't need a tutorial because you know how to hunt monsters and world fixed that by keeping that same wor- like world experience of yeah you just know what you're doing but now the controls are just hidden in the top right mm. and it's out of the way and it's easy to see so all these tiny little quality of life adjustments they really helped with and um but yeah it felt like they made the game for me um, they, yeah, they, 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 yeah, they, they really pulled through. I'm very happy with it, and as I said, it's just it's it's very fluid and accessible now, and it, it's it's a bundle of fun. I love it. Yeah, it is. It truly is. Yeah, like I, I'm I'm playing a bit of uh, Generations at the moment. Ooh, it's it's so obtuse. I had to watch a hour long tutorial on how to start Monster Hunter three <laughs> yeah. times. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't quite get it the first time, and then they had to re-reference it again the third time, and then I, I, I get the game now to a degree, and I'm making a little bit of progress here and there. But I have played a bit of World, and I will say, I can see where the hooks are, and yeah. I can see you were 100 percent right. It is still Monster Hunter for all the world, 
but just the quality of life changes. It's it, it gra- graphical world, yeah, hundred percent. But they didn't westernize it. They just took out some of the crap. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, <laughs> And I mean, I, I, it feels like they like preemptively kind of knew, oh, there'd be a fear that there's a big change in this beloved series. So they, they, you still get that core original Monster Hunter experience on the handheld devices from a secondary team. But now you just get a really shiny, nice, polished version on consoles as well, which I think is a perfect way to go about things. You know, have two teams, one, one do the core experience that everyone loves and one do this shiny new thing that loads of new people can love and get into the series through that. And then they made a film. Um, God, let's not go there. Oh, God. I was an angry boy hearing that news being broke. <laughs> it made a Joel of it, it, it has to be good. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about this as we have been recording, because in traditional... Phil fashion, I didn't come in here prepared. (laughs) And I've came up with two examples of a bad change and a good change. Whether you guys agree with me, these answer the questions or not, you can just tear me to pieces as I'm speaking. Please do jump in. But in terms of a bad change, it's not an unknown one. I think it's a pretty well-known one, but I think it suits is... On the NES, the jump from The Legend of Zelda to The Legend of Zelda 2. I have no horse in this race, but I'm interested. Anyone with experience with this will know. Awesome game. Nail-bitingly frustrating awful game. (laughs) We all know the first Legend of Zelda was a top-down, you know, adventure game. Innovative as all hell on the limited platform that it was on. Shigeru Miyamoto's masterclass in terms of adventuring. And then... The second game comes along and it's no longer top down. It's 2D side scrolling. And rather than simple like jab mechanics, it has like a really confusing battle system and RPG mechanics. And it was far ahead of its time on a console that just could not handle what he wanted to do clearly. (laughs) And what it made for was a game that could have been great, but just wasn't it was just awful i've i've tried going back to it many a time and i can't spend more than an hour on it it's frustrating as all hell and i'm the guy that sings zelda from the from the rooftops if i can't do it you know there is something wrong here but to me i think that's an example of a bad change on something that was previously great uh Change for the positive that, again, I think everybody will be familiar with. And I think it is a pivotal moment in video games history. So, no, it's not exactly the most original answer. But Grand Theft Auto going from top down to 3D. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I never thought of that. You know, like open world gaming as we know it. Like that, that was the point in which it was created. You know, Um, to jump to Liberty City from... Where were we before that? Uh, we weren't in London. It was in the GTA was 2. London, yeah. No, GTA 2 came after London, I believe, didn't it? And then that was in... Was that in Liberty City? I can't remember. It's been so long. But the, the sheer jump in quality to GTA 3, full open world, 3D characters, you know, like, it, it just changed the game. And for me, when I think of, like, okay, what's something to change this mechanics for the better... Like, I struggle to think of something that was more impactful and more of a success than that particular, like, total tone shift, you know? Yeah, definitely. 
we've always said it here how Rockstar are like kings of the open world. And even back then, they were innovators in the open world. Still are, for sure. And like to touch off Connor Williams' actual original suggestion, he even said, such as Resi, uh, that being Resident Evil, going to first person, again, awesome move. Like it, that, that pumped some much needed vigor into a series that, yes, when we got the Resident Evil 2 remake, we, we kind of got what we wanted from the old way of the franchise. But the franchise was quite dead after five and six seven really pumped some much needed refreshing into it um but then also he mentioned assassin's creed bringing in rpg mechanics and the battle system yeah 100 percent. i'm big into those new uh assassin's creed games i still have a place for the old ones but it's surprising that there's two very separate franchises almost at this point yet i like them both for different reasons yeah yeah, I get you. I get you. It's weird to have two like so drastically different under the same name. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they've really, they've really done a done a a one eighty on what genre of game they are anymore. For sure. And like to Aaron's point earlier about Monster Hunter, I would love to see Ubisoft say, "Yeah, we've got two teams working on Assassin's Creed. One's doing classic Assassin's Creed games, like." the next unity style you know let's not talk about the books but the actual game uh syndicate let's say the next syndicate or whatever and then somebody's doing the next valhalla you know like have those two guys coming out on like call of duty style yearly cycles i'd be into it i'd be into it yeah just have one team work on spin-offs and then the other team work on whatever mainline titles they want to release yeah Mm -hmm. for sure I think we've covered quite a few interesting ones there now, boys, if I do say so myself. But I think we've been rambling on long enough. (laughs) Should we wrap this one up and take it home? Let's do it. Okay, let's go ahead and do it. First of all, I want to thank you, the listener. Thank you so much for getting to this point in the podcast. If you do want to help out the podcast, you can do so in a number of ways that cost you not a damn penny. You can follow the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can potentially leave a review on the podcast if your podcatcher allows you to do so. Also, you can catch up on all things CGC over at casualgamecritic.com where Shane's pre-mentioned article of Demon Souls remake is up there. Uh, I believe we caught, we touched on my Bastion remake, uh, not remake, my Bastion article at one point. Many, many, many others. Go over there, check it out. Loads of stuff to see. But also, you can follow us on our socials. Follow us. I, I turned into Sean Connery there for a moment. Um, <laughs> it's all the grey in this beard. Uh, you can follow us at the Casual Game Community over at Facebook. You can follow us at, at CG Critic over on Instagram and Twitter. And you can catch me over at CGC underscore Phil over on Twitch and soon Facebook. With that, lads, let's take it home. I have been Phil. I have been joined by Aaron. Say goodbye. Goodbye. James, say goodbye. Have a good one, lads. And Shane, my man, say goodbye. All the best, folks. Safe home. Take care. God bless. And for the love of God, stay casual.
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 